Now then, dear friends, I want you to turn with me to the good word of God. And we're going to read some verses from the Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter 1. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 1. We're greatly indebted to Dr. Luke, who has given us two uh, wonderful books in the New Testament, his lovely gospel, and then the Acts of the Apostles, written by Dr. Luke. Acts 1 and chapter 1 and verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Unto the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, where they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem for the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Now, if you were here last Lord's Day morning, you will, of course, know that we're dealing with a very, very important and significant subject. And that is the subject of the Lord's resurrection from the dead. And I hinted last week that uh, people have no problem with the fact that Jesus died on the cross uh, way back in the first century A.D., and they have no problem with the fact that he was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. But uh, when we come to the third fact that on the third day that he rose again from the dead, it is around this fact 
that great controversy has raged because many refuse to believe in such a thing. No problem with his death, no problem with his burial, but surely not his resurrection. And that wasn't just the case in the first century, but even today in the 21st century, that it is still a great controversy and there is a great conflict and a great war waged against this particular doctrine. Let me illustrate this by giving to you what some people have said about uh, this subject. Here is what Professor Gregor Smith said. We may freely say that the bones of Jesus lie somewhere in Palestine. That's by Professor Gregor Smith. Uh, Dr. Harry Emerson Fawcett said, I quite expect the bones of Jesus will be dug up one day. And sad to say, even within the professing church, um, doubt and hesitation has abounded with regard to this subject. And it gives me no pleasure to quote this, what I'm going to quote. It was by the late Bishop John Robinson. Now, he was the guy a number of years ago who wrote the book Honest to God. He was a bishop in the church. And here's what the bishop said. The resurrection of the body of Christ is no essential belief for Christian people. And it would make no difference to their faith if the Lord's body had been flung into the valley of Hinnom, like those of the malefactors, to disintegrate among the rotting corpses. And there's a sample of what people have said concerning this great doctrine of the resurrection. By learned people, a professor, a doctor, and the late Bishop John Robinson. Now, if you have been to university or to a, a college of further education, you will of course know that universities and colleges have debates in their in their union. And in 1996, Cambridge University's union had a debate in which the motion was, this house believes Jesus Christ rose from the dead and the tomb was empty. Now that was the motion put to the the debating union at that particular time, 1996. 
This house believes Jesus Christ rose from the dead and the tomb was empty. Nearly 200 students attended the university's weekly debating society, which attracts leading international speakers. Now, I'm glad to say the motion was passed by 65%. It was debated and the motion was passed. The House believed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and the tomb was empty. They accepted the argument of the pro-speaker, the Reverend Clive Calver, who defeated Barbara Smoker from the National Secular Society. Calver concluded that the Roman occupiers of Palestine could not find Jesus' body. The empire could not refute Christian claims. Only Jesus' physical resurrection could explain why a group of people, a group of disciples, were transformed into bold evangelists who turned the world upside down. And that's a tremendous. Cambridge, one of the most famous universities, they held that debate and it was carried by 65% of the 200 students. Uh, some time ago, uh, Dr. John Branchard was speaking in the University of Cape Town, and I have here a little quote, and I want to mention this, and I quote it. Some time ago, I was having a long conversation with an atheist at the University of Cape Town when I was called away to another engagement. Before leaving, I asked him one last question. What do you think of Jesus Christ? Without a moment's hesitation, he replied, I am not sure, but I do know this. Everything depends on whether or not he rose from the dead. What a confession to come from an atheist. Everything depends on whether or not he rose from the dead. And let's face facts, dear friends, this morning. And I'm probably speaking to Christians. All of us know the Lord. We've got to face facts. That if Jesus Christ had remained in the tomb on the third day and did not rise again from the dead, you would be not sitting in your seat and I would not be here in this meeting this morning. Because Jesus Christ would have just been looked upon as another great religious teacher. A good man who went about, who went about doing good, healing the sick, performing miracles, full stop. There were other good men, other great miracle workers, and there would be no Christianity. 
And why has Christianity survived for nearly 2,000 years against every odd, against every persecution, against every opposition? What distinguishes Christianity from the other great world religions? Like Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism. Only one thing. The founder of Christianity is alive. The founder of Islam, the Prophet Muhammad, a good man. But he's dead. The founder of Buddhism, good man, but he's dead. The founder of Hinduism, a good man, but he's dead. The founder of Christianity, our Lord Jesus Christ, is alive. Death could not hold him. They came on the third day and they found the big stone rolled away not to let the Saviour out, oh no, but to let the disciples in to see the tomb is empty. The grave clothes were still there and they found not the body of our wonderful and precious Lord Jesus. Now then, you tell that to the people of Moody'sburn, Glasgow, wherever you live. They say, well, that's wonderful. You're welcome to your belief. That's what you believe. But what's the evidence? What's the evidence? And as I said last week, no use you saying to an atheist or a skeptic or agnostic when I, he lives within my heart. Oh no, that won't wash. The probably said, but I, do you mean that he lives in the muscular organ that pumps the blood through the body? The heart? They're looking for evidence. Proof. Now I also mentioned last week, and I feel it much mentioned today, that if you listen to the great debates, and I've listened to them just recently, they don't speak too much of proof, but they speak of evidence. And probably only in the field of mathematics can you speak of proof, but not in other things. So what they're looking for is evidence. What's the evidence? You say that Jesus Christ is alive. Okay, what's the evidence? And I'm so glad to say that uh, there's plenty of evidence to substantiate uh, the glorious truth uh, that Jesus Christ uh, rose from the dead. And as Christians, we'll not depend upon nice little feelings within ourselves. We'll not depend upon what the creed says. We have got good evidence for believing that our Lord Jesus is alive. And last week, if you were here, we looked at one line of evidence, and that was, he was seen after he rose from the dead. 
Now in a court of law, an eyewitness is a very important witness. And many cases has been won because of the reliability of eyewitnesses that were brought to court and would say before the jury, yes, I was there. I saw this. I heard that. Their eyewitnesses, they were present when these things happened. And case had been won because of the reliability of eyewitnesses. And last week we took the time to, to, to see that there were eyewitnesses to our Lord's resurrection. He was seen after he arose. Sometimes by individuals like Mary Magdalene, like Peter, like James, like the Apostle Paul. These were individuals who actually saw him. And then by little groups of disciples, sometimes two, sometimes a dozen. And on one occasion, over 500 witnessed the risen Christ. Now, that was one line of evidence. He was seen. This morning, we're going to have a look at another line of evidence. And we're going to discover that he was heard after he rose from the dead. It's one thing to see somebody. It's another thing for that living person to be heard. And here's a wonderful line of evidence that our Lord Jesus was, was heard because after he arose from the dead, 40 days expired between his resurrection and his ascension. And during those 40 days, the Lord would appear, sometimes for a short time, other times for a longer time. And during those 40 days, the Lord would speak. He would communicate to his disciples about different things before he ascended back to the Father from whence he came. And we want this morning for a little time just to examine this line of evidence that he was heard. And we're going to do it in a fourfold way. We're going to see that our Lord's voice, it was audible. Second, it was familiar. Thirdly, it was authentic. And then fourthly, it was unmistakable. And these are the four lines of evidence this morning. He was heard after he rose from the dead. Because we have here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Notice, being seen of them 40 days. We saw that last week. And notice this, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. It was an audible voice that they heard. In other words, our Lord Jesus did not use sign language when he was speaking to his disciples. Oh no, didn't use sign language. 
he spoke to them in an audible voice. And because he spoke to them in an audible voice, they heard him. Now, you know that you've got five senses. Five basic senses, really, we're told. You've probably got about 21 if you count the different variations within the different senses. But at least five basic senses. You've got, you've got sight. You've got smell. You've got hearing. You've got taste. You've got touch. These are the five senses that we, can, that we use every day of our lives. And last Sunday, he was seen. So there was the sight sense coming in. He was seen after he rose from the dead. And here we find another sense was used. He was heard. You hear me speak. I hear you speak. And when our Lord Jesus rose from the dead, he spoke to the disciples with an audible voice that they could hear. Now, can you imagine the joy, the thrill, the excitement the disciples must have experienced? Not only to see him alive after his passion, but actually with their physical ears to hear him speak in an audible voice. What a joy it must have been. To those disciples. And remember what I said last week. Not one of those disciples. Believed. That it would come again from the dead. It took the Lord 40 days. To convince them. That he was alive. And lo and behold. There he is. Alive. They've seen him. And then they've heard him speak with this audible voice. Ah, but notice secondly, it was a familiar voice they heard. Now please remember, these are the disciples who have been going with Jesus for three years. They've heard him preach his great sermons. They've heard him teach the multitudes of people. And in private conversation, they have heard him speak to them. So over a three-year period, that voice of our Lord Jesus would be a familiar voice to them. And here's something very interesting. Did you know that one of his disciples recognized our Lord by his voice? And who was that? I'll tell you who it was. It was that dear soul, Mary Magdalene. And John, in his lovely gospel, in chapter 20 records for us a lovely incident now you must remember dear friends that we have four gospels Matthew, Mark and Luke they're known as the synoptic gospels 
But when you come to the Gospel of John, John is writing his Gospel many years after the other writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Many years afterwards. And John is going to include in his Gospel things that are not mentioned in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And here's wonderful, one lovely incident concerning Mary Magdalene. Yes, she was last at the cross with our Lord's mother, another Mary, last at the cross, and she's first at the tomb. And she goes along, and when she gets there, terror strikes her heart. She sees the big stone rolled away, and she jumps the wrong conclusion. They have taken my Lord, and I know not where they have led him. Panic stations. Because if there was ever a woman that loved Jesus Christ, it was Mary Magdalene. Because the Lord cast seven demons out of her. She was one delivered by the mighty power of, of Jesus Christ. And she loved him with every fibre of her soul. And this was devastating. Yes, he, he was crucified. That was bad enough. But they've taken his corpse away. And we know not where they have led him. And then the story continues. The angels appear. What are you crying for? Again the same thing. They've taken my Lord. And then she turns. And she sees this figure. And the figure says. Why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? And then John says that Mary Magdalene. Supposed that he was the gardener. And Mary Magdalene said to her, if you have taken away, please tell me where you've taken him, and I shall bear him away. Then notice what happened next. Jesus said unto her, Mary. And as soon as he said, Mary, immediately she turned round and she said, Rabboni, which means Master. What's happening? She recognized Jesus by just the way he said her name. Mary. And that we recall many other times before his resurrection in which he would have spoken to Mary Magdalene. And as soon as he said that her name and how he said it, she realized He's alive. She recognized him by the familiar voice that he had. And you know, dear friends, when you get your glorified body, shall I say this, dear friends, when I see you in the glory, I shall recognize you by your voice and you shall recognize me by my Ulster accent oh yes it will be perfected then but I will still have an Ulster accent I won't be speaking in Hebrew or Greek and I won't be, I won't be speaking a Scottish dialect either 
when I meet you in the glory, I shall recognize you. Yes, you'll be glorified. But, uh, oh yes, that's that familiar voice that I used to hear when I preached in Moody's Burden Church. Have you ever thought of that? Your voice would be the same. Our Lord's voice was the same. It was a familiar voice that they heard. So it was an audible voice. It was a familiar voice. And isn't it just wonderful when our dear Lord Jesus comes and he speaks your name. Margaret. Elizabeth. Jane. Whatever your name is. Graham. Peter. Stanley. Because he knows you all by names. I have had the awful, the awful experience of meeting someone in the street and uh, they know me, they recognize me and for the like of me I can't put a name to a face and I'm struggling within my mind trying to get a name to the face and when I do get a name it's the wrong name and I have to ask them, excuse me, what is your name? The Lord doesn't do that, friends. The Lord knows his sheep by name. He knows you, brother, and he knows you, sister, better than you know yourself. And when he speaks to you, he calls you by name, as he did to Mary. So precious, so wonderful. But then, thirdly, and very quickly, it was an authentic voice that they heard do you remember when the Lord Jesus gave that wonderful sermon on the mount Matthew 5, 6 and 7 it says that when Jesus had finished the multitude that were standing around they were amazed listen to this because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes now, have you ever wondered why Matthew puts that wee bit in, and not as the scribes? Let me tell you. If you lived in our Lord's day and went to the synagogue, up would get Rabbi. And his speaking, he would say, Rabbi so-and-so says this, Rabbi so-and-so says that. In other words, they would refer to other rabbinical teachers. But Here's someone different. When this preacher speaks, he doesn't refer to Rabbi this or Rabbi that. He says, but I, but I say unto you. And they sensed him and they felt the note of authority in our Lord's voice. It would be an authentic voice they would have heard. And have you noticed here in Acts chapter 1, it says he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to stay there until they are endured with, endured with power from on high. And when he spoke, they would have sensed it was a voice of authority, an authentic voice. They, are you getting this line of evidence, friends? This is evidence. It was an audible voice they heard. It was a familiar voice they heard. 
and it would have been an authentic voice that they heard this is convincing friends this is absolutely convincing can you deny this are you saying all these people were, were deceived and fooled of course not but then notice fourthly it was an unmistakable voice they heard and I just can imagine these disciples seeing him hearing him and then they said one to another oh come on there's no doubt there's no doubt about it it's him it's our Lord Jesus he is alive they weren't deceived they weren't under any delusion they weren't bluffed no it was an unmistakable voice that they heard the voice of their wonderful and glorious Lord there's a powerful line of evidence friends he was heard as well as been seen after he rose from the dead now as I finish listen very carefully you and I have never heard the Lord speaking well perhaps you have if you have would you let me know after the service but here's the good news one day when we see him in all his glory we poor sinners saved by God's wonderful grace not only are we going to see him as they saw him but we also are going to hear him as they heard him and you know there's one thing I want him to say to me more than anything else and what is it let me tell you when I look him in the eyes and he looks me in the eyes as he will and he'll look you in the eyes dear brother and sister I want him to say to me well done good and faithful servants now it's not what you want him to say to you friends you've been serving him loving him worshipping him and it makes no difference down here whether people praise you or don't praise you I've got beyond that friends it matters not whether you think this is a good sermon or not it makes no difference to me because I'm not preaching to please you friends oh no I've got my eyes on him and it's him that I want him to say well done good and faithful servant enter thou into the joy of thy Lord and that will be wonderful when he says that to this poor creature in front of you well done that's what really matters friends not what you think what he thinks that if I meet your approval that doesn't matter do I meet his approval when he says to me sternly well done come in and enjoy heaven
my rest. Let me finish with the words of a lovely old hymn by the hymn writer W.E. Littlewood. And here's what he says. There is no voice like the voice of Jesus. Tender and sweetest chime, like musical ring in a flowing spring in the bright summer time. Go out, dear Christian. Don't be ashamed of this great doctrine of our Lord's resurrection. It's grounded, it's established, it's founded in historical fact. You can face the agnostic, you can face the atheist. Here's the evidence. You disprove it. And as I said last week, one of the great legal brains said that the evidence of our Lord's resurrection has never broken down. They can't disprove it. But that is what we believe. He died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried, and hallelujah, he rose again the third day, and he's alive forevermore. And because he lives, then thank God we shall live also. God bless you.